Welcome to a special election edition of WFUV's What's What. I'm David Escobar. On today's show, WFUV's Jay Doherty will join us to recap the latest from the Grand Old Party after last night's fiery Republican debate in California. But first, here are today's headlines. Major corporations in New York may try to get carve-outs for their drivers under New York City's congestion pricing plan. That's according to a new report, which shows that Lyft, Uber, and UPS have spent tens of thousands of dollars on lobbying towards city and state officials. This comes ahead of the MTA panel's meeting on Monday that will consider congestion pricing exemptions for commercial vehicles. If your holiday Airbnb booking was canceled under the city's new short-term rental restrictions, you may have to pay a hefty price for your new accommodations. That's because online searches for hotels in New York have soared almost 25% in the past two months. And even though the city says it has enough space in its hotels for tourists, it expects rooms to become pricier the longer you wait to book. New Yorkers will likely experience a warmer winter this year with a little bit more rain and snow. That's according to a new report released by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, which says the culprit for this unusual weather is El Nino. And although NOAA isn't 100% sure whether or not El Nino will hit New York hard, it says it'll keep monitoring the storm. Candidates vying for the 2024 GOP presidential nomination gathered this week to participate in the second Republican presidential debate. Seven candidates made the cut this time around, and they sparred with one another on Fox last night. Joining me now to discuss is WFUV political reporter Jay Doherty. Hi, Jay. Hey, David. So last night's debate began with the discussion centering around the recent auto workers strike in Detroit. Where did the Republican candidates stand on this issue? Well, David, during the first part of the debate, all the candidates on stage found common ground in one area, their disagreement with President Biden. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, among others, pointed fingers at Biden's spending bills as an indirect cause of the strike. Vivek Ramaswamy even went as far to suggest that protesters should be demonstrating outside the White House instead of the car companies General Motors, Ford, and Stellantis. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie took a more populist stance, placing blame on, in his words, every lawmaker in D.C. But the real standout moment in this section came when Florida Governor Ron DeSantis changed the topic without much prompting and used the opportunity to call out Donald Trump for not being present on stage. And where's Joe Biden? He's completely missing in action from leadership. And you know who else is missing in action? Donald Trump is missing in action. He should be on this stage tonight. He owes it to you to defend his record. As DeSantis was speaking, Trump was in Michigan delivering a speech to striking auto workers. But this moment from DeSantis was just the beginning of his more assertive approach last night. As you may recall, DeSantis hesitated in the first debate to critique the former president on stage. Now let's dive into the next major part of the debate, the southern border. It's no secret that immigration is a hot button issue among Republicans. But how did the candidates handle questions about it on stage? I think it's fair to say that the flashiest moment from this section again came with criticism of President Trump, this time from former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. Donald Trump failed on this as well. He said he was going to build a wall across the whole border. He built 52 miles of wall and said Mexico would pay for it. Guess what? I think if Mexico knew that he was only going to build 52 miles, they might have paid for the 52 miles. 
So there were a few interesting moments during the discussion when the candidates were trying to stand out on the border issue. Ron DeSantis brought up China and their recent investments in South America, suggesting that this might be driving more people up north towards the border. Nikki Haley jumped on that and suggested that the U.S. should maybe rethink how it gives foreign aid to certain South American countries. And then there was Vivek Ramaswamy, who made quite a statement. He said outright that he does not support birthright citizenship. And what's kind of intriguing is that Vivek has said in numerous interviews that his own father is not a U.S. citizen, and yet Vivek himself was born right here in the United States. All right, so let's talk about this moment after that first commercial break. Candidates came back out on stage. They talked about gun violence. What made that section stand out? Well, I think it's safe to say that Vivek Ramaswamy and Mike Pence had the most unique answers to questions about gun violence, and they both had to do with prevention and deterrence. Ramaswamy steered the conversation in the direction of social media, saying that teen social media addiction must be closely monitored. It's also our job to make sure that 17-year-olds don't turn to Percocet via Snapchat. We have to bring back mental health care in this country, not with pumping pharmaceuticals, but with faith-based approaches that restore purpose and meaning in the next generation of Americans. Many of them are getting it through social media. And this isn't a Republican point or a Democrat point, but if you're 16 years old or under, you should not be using an addictive social media product, period. And then another distinctive moment was when Mike Pence suggested he would create an expedited death penalty for mass shooters. I am sick and tired of these mass shootings happening in the United States of America. And if I'm president of the United States, I'm going to go to the Congress of the United States and we're going to pass a federal expedited death penalty for anyone involved in a mass shooting so that they will meet their fate in months, not years. These two answers illuminate how the GOP is trying to balance their love for the Second Amendment with the goal of preventing tragic incidents whenever possible. I'm curious too, Jay, you've been following this race since the beginning. Who were the frontrunners going into this debate? And do you think that answer changed by the end? Well, going into this debate, I thought the frontrunners were, in order, Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, and Nikki Haley. And after the debate wrapped, I don't think much changed. It could be argued that Haley is above DeSantis or at least rapidly approaching that mark. She had one of the most commanding performances in this debate. She got a fair amount of speaking time and was firm with her opponents on stage. But even she probably won't put a dent in former President Trump's first place lead in the polls. So her main target was Ron DeSantis. One example of this was on the issue of energy independence. Ron DeSantis is against fracking. He's against drilling. <laughs> He's been against. You did it. Every He always talks about what happens on day one. You better watch out because what happens on day two is when you're in trouble. Day two in Florida, you banned fracking. You banned <laughs> offshore drilling. You did true. it on federal lands. And you took green subsidies that you didn't have to take. All right, Jay, let's wrap it up with your closing thoughts. What stood out to you as the recurring themes of this debate? And what's the big takeaway from the second round, in your opinion? Well, I noticed an interesting trend during the debate where candidates had to perform some political acrobatics across different topics. For instance, in the healthcare discussion, Mike Pence accused his former running mate, Donald Trump, of consolidating too much power in the executive branch. But then later, he tried to take credit for the immigration policies of the Trump administration. Uh, Vivek's criticism of social media companies is a bit ironic when one considers that a significant part of his campaign success actually has come from TikTok and other platforms. This was one of the many back-and-forth, flip-flopping moments throughout the debate. 
Obviously, hypocrisy is nothing new in politics, but what is new is that these debates themselves will likely not have much impact as we head into the 2024 election. Despite the fact that none of the moderators or candidates directly mentioned the 91 criminal counts the former president was charged with, it is safe to say that Trump holds a commanding lead in the GOP right now. Ultimately, it's the voters who will decide this year's Republican nomination. And we'll be watching very closely along the way. Jay Doherty is a political reporter at WFEV. Jay, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, David. And that's our show for today. But check back with us tomorrow around 3 o'clock for more news, music, and culture. And as always, you can find more from us at WFUVnews.org and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm David Escobar, and that's What's What.